0: Um, my name is Rachel. It's lovely to be um, sharing with you this morning. Mark very kindly asked me if I wanted the pulpit. And um, I said, no, music stand is fine. Um, but it, it has appeared anyway. So it um, feels very um, very proper. Um, so if you've been coming to Broadway the last few weeks or if you've been listening along at home, um, you would be aware that I've been working through um, the Apostles' Creed. So creeds are short simple summaries of faith, and they were established to draw believers together in their faith to celebrate the truth of the gospel, and they were often established to guard against heresies, um, which rose up in the early centuries of the church while people were still trying to um, figure out who God was and what it looked like and, and how it all worked together. And often people that were preparing for baptism in the early centuries of the church learned a short summary of what Christians believe. And one version of this was the Apostles' Creed um, because it was thought to include the teaching of the apostles. And saying creeds can bind us together as a Christian community. It reminds us of what unites us, even across different traditions and practices. These things are the foundations of our faith and they help us to learn and remember and explore the foundations of our faith. And as Baptist creeds are a little less familiar to us, we, we don't use them very much. Um, but our hope through this series is to explore the simple, beautiful truth of the gospel, the foundations of our faith, and the way that this unites us with Christians throughout history, throughout time, from all over the world, in the truth of God, who God is and what he has done for us. And over the um, past few weeks, We've heard about God, the Father, the Creator of everything, and Jesus and His story. Um, and you've been, if you've been here over the last few weeks, you would have heard um, uh, some of our um, pre- previous ribbon and Chris and Andrew have had reasonable large chunks of the creed to, to work through. Um, I've got one line today, so which in a way is easier, in a little way is harder. Um, but my line: I believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, So the Nicene Creed is another creed that um, uh, has similar usage to the Apostles' Creed. It was put together in about the 300s, and it gives us some more detail in the lines about the Holy Spirit, and we've got those as well. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. So we know these extra little bits that the Nicene Creed gives us. That the spirit is worshipped and glorified. He isn't like a less important member of the Trinity. He's not less important than the Father or the Son. He speaks through the prophets. All the times throughout the Old Testament um, that we read of the prophets saying, this is what God is saying to us. Um, it was the spirit that was communicating this message to the prophets. And the Hebrew word used in the Bible to refer to the Spirit um, is translated into three different English words because we don't have a good enough English word to convey the full meaning of um, what the Hebrew word was trying to say. And um, those three words are wind, breath, and spirit. And this gives us a bit of an idea of the role and the nature of the Spirit. So, wind suggests power and movement and uncontrollability, not to reduce God to something that is a natural force, but to remind Israel of the God that brought them out of Egypt, as we've heard already from Isaac this morning, and the wind that divided the Red Sea to protect them. Spirit as breath is connected to life. God as spirit brings life. At the very beginning of creation, we read that the earth was formless and empty, but the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And Spirit tells us of the filling of an individual with the Spirit of God, giving wisdom, communicating the voice of God, giving us faith and helping us to pray. And we hear about the Holy Spirit from Jesus throughout his life on earth where he talks to his disciples about the coming of an advocate who would come because Jesus himself would no longer be with them, present on earth, and so the Spirit would come. John 15:26 When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father he will testify about me and you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning And John 16:7 But very truly I tell you it is for your good that I am going away unless I go away the advocate will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you Both of those things were things that Jesus said to his disciples to tell them about the coming of the spirit. After his resurrection, we read in John 21 uh, sorry John 20, 21 and 22 Jesus said, "Peace, be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you and with that he breathed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." In Acts 1 8, Jesus promises and foretells the coming of the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And um, one of the early church fathers, um, Gregory of Nazanias, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, he proposed that the Spirit was coming to dwell in the disciples in a way that they had capacity to handle. According to their capacity to receive them. So they were promised. They, um, the spirit was coming to help them um, accept and receive and hear the gospel. And then Jesus breathed on them. And then we have the day of Pentecost. Um, in Acts 2, when we hear about... So the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting... They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The coming of the Holy Spirit was told by Jesus, sent at Pentecost, and the Spirit continued to be vital in the formation and the development of the church. The early church looked to the Spirit for guidance, and direction. New Testament scholar um, Edward Schweizer says long before the spirit was a theme of doctrine he was the experience of the community. So the Holy Spirit following his leading and hearing his voice was the experience of the early church before they knew about him, before they learned about him, they experienced him. There's a couple of examples, Acts 13 to while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. After they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So Barnabas and Saul, who we know better as Paul, were sent off and commissioned to go and tell others about the gospel because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Spirit was expected, it was depended upon the church heard that call and followed his leading. And this is how Paul's missionary journeys started. Not only did the spirit direct the apostles, but he also prepares the hearts and the minds of the people that they would interact with so that they would be ready to hear the gospel. And there's this great story in Acts 8 about um, Philip who was led by first an angel and then the spirit To go and meet with an Ethiopian, Um, and Philip's instruction from the Spirit um, shows the Spirit speaking to Philip in present narrative time. The, The Spirit speaking with quotation marks, we actually hear what the words that He says. And the Spirit leading Philip happened at the exact time that this Ethiopian man was in the process of reading Isaiah, and Philip came alongside him and was able to explain what he was reading. He was able to explain the good news about Jesus to him. And the Ethiopian was baptised. But the way that this story is told portrays that the spirit is a direct actor. He's pushing Philip and he's pushing the narrative to spread the word of God outward from Jerusalem. The spirit is in charge of this story. He's not a um, passive participant. He's the one directing and informing and leading what Philip is doing and the Ethiopian man who is going to receive him. In the early church, Paul had a vision to go to Macedonia. And he followed this leading, this vision from the spirit. And this vision and Paul's willingness to follow it led to the entire European orientation of the gospel, launched by the spiritual gift of a vision in the night directing the course of events. And this is still something that occurs today. The Spirit goes ahead of us. He empowers us. He guides us as we seek to share the good news of Jesus. The Spirit precedes the church's mission. This is missiologist Graham Hill. He's active and present in the cultures and peoples of the world. He's preparing the soil for the missional efforts and global proclamation of the church. These things were true in the New Testament and they are still true today. Our God still works in the same way. So the Spirit leads us, he guides us, he works in our hearts so that we are able to receive and accept the good news of Jesus. But he also transforms us to be more like Jesus. Probably the most well-known example of this is when we read about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians five twenty-two to 25. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. The fruit of the Spirit, the clear and obvious outworking of allowing the Spirit to work in our hearts to transform us should be clear and obvious. In Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Through the Holy Spirit, we are being transformed to look more like Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we allow the Spirit to work in our lives He transforms us in a way that is obvious to those around us, just like the fruit on a tree can be seen. And I wonder, as you think um, back through your life, can you think of a way that you have allowed the Spirit to work and transform you? If you know Jesus, if you follow him, have you been transformed by the Spirit? And I would hope that we would have examples of that, examples of ways that we can see things that we have allowed the Spirit to challenge us on, to confront us on, ways that we have been transformed by him to be able to follow Jesus well in a way that the fruit of who he is and what his kingdom is, is evident to those around us. And the Holy Spirit also helps us to pray. Romans eight twenty six. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Sometimes when we have a depth of emotion that we feel something so deeply but we do not have the words for it, it's the Holy Spirit that helps us pray. And we also read throughout the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 teach us about the gifts of the Spirit. And these are gifts that empower us to follow Jesus and help us bring about his mission in the world. these might include um, prophetic words, discernment, teaching, giving, tongues, faith, or healing. And these are all ways that the Spirit can empower us. He dwells with us. He goes before us in mission and he equips us to follow Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12 says that the gifts of the Spirit are for the common good, not just for the sake of it, not just for us as an individual, but to encourage us and to build the church. I've read that the church is instituted by Christ, established by Christ, but constituted by the Spirit, built and grown and developed by the Spirit. It is the Spirit who leads and guides and directs and builds the church. We can't do anything in our own strength. And it is my hope for us as a church family at Broadview that we would be a church that is led and guided by the Spirit, that the Spirit would be present in our decisions, in our discernment, just like we read about um, examples of the disciples and the Spirit says, go. And And we already have such a history of that at Broadview. Um, the Broadview Originals choosing to listen to God to beginning on the new journey of revitalization, and the people that have come from other churches to come and join um, in that journey. We have such a history of listening to the voice of the Spirit here and I pray that we continue to do so, that we continue to um, hear his Spirit as we join together as a very diverse group of people with very different opinions and different backgrounds and different understandings of faith and tradition, that we can show the fruit of the Spirit to one another, that we can be kind and gracious and forgive each other as we are allowing the Spirit to work in each of our lives, but that we can be a church that looks like that all together as well. We can't do anything in our own strength, but we do it as the Spirit empowers us. So the theology of the Spirit is present all throughout Scripture. We read about the person of the Spirit through Scripture and the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and church history. But this isn't something that can only be learned or remembered. What is your experience of the Spirit? We've already talked about the ways that the Spirit has transformed us. Experience is essential. In the early church, before they learned about the Spirit, they experienced Him. And we also have a diverse range of experiences of the Holy Spirit in this room people from different backgrounds and different traditions. And the Holy Spirit might mean something different to you. It might mean transformation in your life, or it might mean a recollection of a word of knowledge or a Healing that the Spirit has done, that you have experienced. When I was a baby, I was born with a hole in my heart, which um, uh, my parents tell the story of um, getting the church to pray and that closed up by itself without needing surgery. Um, whether that would have happened anyway or not, I don't know, but their story is that that was their... That was a gift of the Spirit. That there was something that the Spirit did in my life. And that has been a reminder and a story that they have told of the presence of the Spirit in a way that would have been very frightening for them with a little baby. Um, And that has been a reminder to me as well of the way that the Spirit can move. And I'm sure that you would have stories of things that... Holy Spirit has done in your life and the lives of others around you and I'd love to encourage us to share some of those stories. What have been some times that you have felt afraid and then had had a sense of peace that only the Holy Spirit can bring? What have been some times that you have been going to make a decision and have felt the leading of the Spirit to make a different one or Something came out of nowhere that you weren't prepared for and it didn't make sense that could only be attributed to the Spirit. Do you have stories like that? How has the Spirit worked in your life and in the lives of those around you? And I'd love to encourage us to be a church, to share those things, to remember what God has done, to see the ways that he is moving in the world around us. As the song that we sang earlier on today, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us become more aware of what you are doing around us. Let's talk about the transformation of the Spirit in your life as you've been open to Jesus. So the work of the Spirit is to transform us, to be more like Christ, and to equip us for mission, to share the good news of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us with the world. It's not something that we should be nervous about because the spirit is the loving gift of a gracious God who first sent Jesus for our salvation and then sent the spirit to transform us, equip us and empower us. And my prayer is that this will be something that will be real for us as a church community that we can continue to grow in our awareness of the presence of God around us in the way that he is moving and working in the world the way that he is on mission with us, the way he is going ahead of us and the way that we are being transformed to be more like Jesus.